right, welcome to the Kruger Show, everybody. The solo show as we get things rolling on a Friday morning. Normally, Chase Sr. would be with us today, but Chase has got a little work party at Chat Sports that he's getting ready for. So we're going to go solo for an hour here, and we're going to talk a little uh, a little Bay Area sports. We're going to hit the Giants, the Niners, and the Warriors. Uh, we're going to hit Brock Purdy. We're going to hit Draymond Green. We're going to hit uh, Jung Ho Hoo Lee, Buster Posey, a little Cam Newton, all before we get out of here. And then we are also going to take your phone calls in the final segment of the show. So I'm going to put the link in the description so you can, or in the uh, chat, I should say, put the call link in the chat right there. And so you can line up for the final 15 minutes of the show. We're going to take calls. It'll probably be more of a speed round of calls, but uh, we will take your phone calls in the final 15 minutes of the show. It's only an hour long show. We're brought to you by pig and a pickle, the best barbecue in all of Northern California. We're also brought to you by the New York style Italian sausage company, as well as Marin auto glass, underdog fantasy and mojo fantasy check the link in the description and use that promo code krug and they will match you up to your first 100 dollars. all right also today because we are going to go on a little bit of a timer for each one of these topics we're, we got a little timer going today so there we go the timer is up and running right there you see it so we're going to go 15 minutes per topic and if you want to jump in please do at the in the final segment we'll take your calls on any of these topics you want to talk warriors you want to talk giants you want to talk niners we will do it all with you um in a bit okay first let's also mention before we get rolling here that we are going to be in Corte Madera on Sunday and feel free to join us in Corte Madera for our uh, for our watch party at pig and a pickle 341 Corte Madera town center 341 Corte Madera Town Center will be there from 1 o'clock till 6 o'clock watching the Niners and the Cardinals. We'll do the post-game show from there. Stop by, have some barbecue, have a beer, um, do a little meet and greet. I think Damon's going to be there. Kev's going to be there. Bringing the whole family, the wife, the kids, the whole deal. And you're all invited. We're doing a little meet and greet watch party. Never done it before. Uh, don't know how many people are going to show up. Um, but Pig and a Pickle's awesome barbecue. Come have a sandwich. Come have a beer. Um, and and then if you want, hang out and watch us do the post game. Or if not, um, go Christmas shopping. You know, it's a great mall, and there's a lot going on there. So you can uh, come check it out. Uh, 341 Corte Madera, Madera Town Center. That's this Sunday, the 17th, in Marin. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the three topics that we wanted to uh, get into today. And we're going to start with, um, why don't we start with Brock Purdy? Brock Purdy, is he a game manager? Is he a game changer? This was Cam Newton's commentary that Cam got into over the last couple of days uh, where he's basically calling Brock um, a game manager. And, you know, here's the thing on this. First of all, Cam doesn't want to be part of this. He's like, well, why are people ripping me? It would be the same thing. If I if I started saying, okay, here are the top five content creators, people would immediately start comparing them to me. If I said, hey, who are the top five radio guys, sports radio guys in the Bay Area, people would immediately start comparing them to me. Um, if you're a quarterback and then you say start you know comping quarterbacks, of course, they're going to start comparing these quarterbacks to you. 
if Mick Jagger started quoting, started ranking rock and roll bands, people would rank everything in and reference the Stones. So it's just that's just human nature. So for Cam to be like, why is everybody pointing at me? They're pointing at you because you're pointing at them and they're pointing back to you. Um, but Cam Newton's catching heat for his commentary on a handful of the quarterbacks. He ripped Purdy, Goff, Tua, Prescott, and then he doubled down today and ripped Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and basically said they're game managers and not game changers. Um, And, you know, Cam owns a national championship. He's got a Heisman. He's got an MVP. He's won three division titles. He's got a conference crown. He had an 11-year career. He can comment on quarterbacks freely, and that's just fine. Obviously, he wants a job on ESPN or Fox. He sees how much those guys make, and he's like, why can't I make that kind of money? So this is all geared towards him getting on one of these shows. But let's just get right into it. Game manager versus game changer. I think that just does a huge disservice to Tua and Brock and Prescott and Goff. Goff's been to a Super Bowl. Tua's uh, operating one of the most explosive offenses in the game today. Prescott may win the MVP. If he doesn't, Brock Purdy may. Um, Very likely that Brock or Prescott represents the NFC um, with the Cowboys or Niners in the Super Bowl this year. And I just think that it, it's it's used as, as a pejorative. It's used as a game manager, meaning like you're somehow lesser. And then for him to double down on it today and throw Brady and Manning in there, I mean, it just takes it takes audacity. I mean, Cam had three winning seasons in 10. You know, I mean, three winning seasons. The rest of them are losing seasons. His career was done at 32. So I, I just I just don't believe that. Um, you know, and what is managing a game? I mean, it's just it's it's a ridiculous statement. Uh, Brock Purdy has changed the dynamic for the 49ers. If you want to, if you don't want to think Brock Purdy's a game changer, look what happened to the 49ers offense in the NFC Championship game without Brock Purdy. Look at all the rec- Look at all the quarterbacks under Shanahan, not named Garoppolo, were nine and twenty-nine, and now Brock Purdy steps in. He's fifteen and three. You know, I, I think he's a game changer. He's been a game changer for this franchise. If tomorrow Brock Purdy got hurt, knock on wood, and he wasn't able to play the rest of the year, the Niners' chances of winning the Super Bowl would sink like a stone. You're not going to just sub in Sam Darnold and they're going to the bowl. No, they're not going to the bowl. I mean, that's what, in my opinion, I mean, Brock Purdy to me is much more than a game manager. He takes shots down the field. He leads the league in completion percentage, QB rating, and yards per attempt. He, if anything, he's the opposite of the check down guy, uh, the game manager. When I think of game manager, I think of Alex Smith. Why? Because he checked it down all the time. He wanted to check it down. Brock Purdy doesn't want to check it down. Brock Purdy rarely checks it down. So I just think that to call Brock a game manager um, is wrong. And and it's also, it's like, you know, to, to, to throw Tom Brady in there. I mean, you're talking about the greatest quarterback that ever lived in some people's minds. Um, was Joe Montana a game manager? You know, I mean, it's like, and then and then Cam would call himself a game changer. So now what? Brady is lesser than Cam? In what world is that accurate? Peyton Manning is lesser than Cam? In what world is that reality? You know, I you could make an argument that Brock Purdy, if you just look at the numbers, the record, the completion percentage, the touchdowns, the yards per attempt, uh, the interception ratio. You look at any stat you want. Brock Purdy's been better in his first two years than Cam Newton was in his first two years coming out of Auburn. 
So I, I really got to push back aggressively on the Cam Newton. He's entitled to his opinion. We're entitled to call him an idiot for having that opinion. Um, and for him to just take side swipes at all these quarterbacks without really supporting anybody can have an opinion. It's how you support it. If you, if he had a great, if he had this opinion and he supported it with unbelievable facts and commentary, it would be one thing, but he's like, the 49ers are not winning because of Brock Purdy bullshit. They are winning because of Brock Purdy. (laughs) uh, They are absolutely winning because of Brock Purdy. And if I if I had to get Kyle Shanahan to sit right next to me in the studio and attest to that, he would. If I if I walked into the Niner locker room and said, "Is Brock Purdy along for the ride, or is he kind of a major cog?" Everybody would be like, "Dude, he's driving the bus. He's absolutely been huge for the 49ers. So to sit there and say that, oh, you know, Brock Purdy's a game manager, that ain't that's just not accurate. Um. Jared Goff, I don't even think is a game manager. I think Jared Goff makes plays down the field. Uh, Jared Goff can throw the pill. Tua Tagovailoa, I think, is not a game manager. I don't think Prescott's a game manager. And to then throw, to then double down today in this 10-minute retort uh, that now includes, you're trying to clarify yourself, now you add Tom Brady to the mix. Now Tom Brady and Peyton Manning are game managers, but Cam Newton is a game changer. I mean, seriously, I mean, it's, it's so wrong on so many levels that I don't even know where to start. So cam. And then today he's quoting the people who do the hiring at he's mentioning the people that are doing the hiring at ESPN and Fox. So I think he pretty much gave us where he's coming from. He's coming. He wants to be on Fox. He wants to be on ESPN. He knows the people on those shows are making a million dollars a year. He wants to make that Skrilla. He wants to make that cake. And so that's why he's making this strong statement. But it's people then push back. Well, you don't think Cam has a right to have an opinion? Of course he has a right to have an opinion. He absolutely has a right to have an opinion. But we have a right to sit there and tell him his opinion is ridiculous. And if you're really going to, you know, you're going to separate quarterbacks and you're going to take Tom Brady and, and Peyton Manning, two of the greatest quarterbacks of your era, and try to make it seem like you are better than them? you got to be kidding me. Your career ended at 32. Steve Young's career didn't even start with the 49ers till he was 31. So you had a short-lived career. In your biggest moment, you fumbled in the Super Bowl. You didn't fall on it. You made a business decision in the biggest moment of your game of your career. You made a even though you're the biggest, baddest, most physically dominant quarterback possibly in the history of the NFL when a ball fumbled when you fumbled a ball in the Super Bowl you didn't have the guts to fall on it so I mean that's not exactly the height of competitive fire that's not I mean that's your moment in the sun and you shrunk you that's that's as bad to me him not falling on that fumble is like Chris Weber calling the timeout in the national championship game against North Carolina that was Chris Weber's moment for a title, and he swallowed the olive. That was Cam Newton's moment in the sun, and he made a business decision and showed cowardice. I mean, come on. Seriously, that's what defines you. As far as this whole thing, you're going to rip these guys that are playing now and, and put yourself, despite the fact you played 10 years in the league, you only had three winning seasons, and you're going to put yourself in a game-changer category? You're somehow better than Brady? 
You're better than Peyton. You're better than Purdy. And you can't use stats because they have better stats than you. So, I, I mean, all, all I got to say to Cam Newton is, you know, good luck getting on ESPN. Good luck getting on Fox. Um, hopefully it all works out for you. You had, you know, you won the Heisman, you won a national championship, you won an MVP, you won three division titles, uh, you went to the Super Bowl, you had an 11 year career, you're entitled to your opinion. But Prescott, Purdy, Tua, Goff, Peyton, and Brady are game managers, and you're a game changer. Really? That's rich. I mean, that's rich. So I, I, I sorry about that from Cam's front. Uh, don't get it. Don't understand it. Don't agree with it. And uh, simple as that. I just, I personally, I think that uh, that Cam is trying desperately to get on these shows so he can make some of that big TV money. And I don't think it's necessarily going to work. So there you go. I think Brock Purdy is absolutely a game changer for the Niners. And if I had every 49er player and coach and executive sitting right behind me and we took a vote, is Brock a game manager or a game changer? They would say he's an absolute game changer for the 49ers. So topic number one uh, right there. Uh, we'll, we'll, hit the, we'll hit the reset on the timer because we'll, we'll t- save the extra time for, for the next topic. But absolutely, in my mind, Brock Purdy is not a game manager. He's a game changer. And Cam Newton is not Brock Purdy. Cam Newton is not. Brock Purdy's probably had a better first two years than Cam had. Probably will wind up with a better career. But you're going to double down and include Tom Brady and Peyton Manning? Wow. You may want to think that one over again. All right. Topic number two. Let's move to Draymond Green and the... uh, and the, and the Golden State Warriors. Green, I love Draymond Green. Anybody who follows me knows I'm a huge Draymond Green fan. But what he did the other night really took it to another level. It was premeditated. It was violent. He took a shot to Yusuf Nurkic's head. It was the equivalent of Deacon Jones' head slap in the 60s. I mean, he basically took a head slap on Nurkic. And what should the Warriors do? Stop enabling this guy. And it might be time to just make a decision. It really calls up a bigger decision. Are the Warriors going to the finish line with Clay Thompson? Are they going to the finish line with Draymond Green? Or are they going to try to win a title? Because I don't know that you can do both. Um, It really leads to a bigger series of questions. And it's all questions for Steph Curry. And I've been the biggest supporter of Draymond Green. I've always backed him, but he lost me with this one. Um, He head slapped Nurkic as payback. I watched that game. Nurkic had two ridiculous flops earlier in that game that resulted on foul calls against uh, Sharich and Kuminga. And this was Green paying him back. Two ridiculous flops. And I'm sure Draymond said, Man, you're gonna flop. I'll show you. You you. I'll show you something violent. Now we'll see how you look. And so he violently and pre and, and in my opinion, in a premeditated fashion, swung his arms and head slapped uh, Yusuf Nurkic, and he should be out a while. Ten games, twelve games, fifteen games. I don't know. I don't know what it's gonna take, but he needs help. I mean, this guy needs help. And if I'm the Warriors. You know, they've signed this guy up long term, but I don't know that I'm going to the finish line with Draymond Green and Clay Thompson. I, I think Clay Thompson's got a couple years left. 
Um, and you know, they're going to offer him a two year, $50 million contract. It sounds like, and it sounds like he's going to be turned off by that. I don't think he can handle the twilight of his career. And I'm not sure that green can handle the twilight of his career. You know, this is what happens in life. Sometimes people can handle the different chapters of their life. And sometimes they can't, I think we're looking at a player in Draymond green and clay Thompson that they can't handle, um, the twilight of their careers. And they just don't know how to react to it. So um, as much as I hate to say it, because I've always been a big proponent, keep Steph and Draymond and Clay together. Go to the finish line with these guys. I wouldn't do it. And if I was Steph Curry, this is a real tough call. Steph, this one's on you, buddy. You're going to have to decide. What do you want? And if I'm Joe Lacob, I got so much respect for Steph Curry, the career he's had and what he's meant to the game of basketball and what he's meant to the warrior franchise. They were losers until he showed up and now they're winners. They played in an outdated arena and now they play in a palatial, you know, opulent palace. Um, Their value of their franchise has, has gone up like 10 times over. What Steph Curry has done to the value of the franchise, the image of the franchise, uh, what he's done for basketball, he deserves to be able to make this decision. It's on him. Does he want to go? Does he? What does he want? And it's like I know he wants it all. He wants to. He wants to go. You know, he came in with Clay and Draymond. He wants to go out with Clay and Draymond. He's won titles with those guys. He wants to win more titles with those guys. But I'm getting the feeling, and I'm not sure if you guys are as well, that it's one or the other, but not both. He, he Steph Curry might be able to win another title. Um, but I doubt that they're going to be able to win another title with Draymond Green and Klay Thompson taking up as much of the payroll room in a cap sport as they do. So I think it's really going to come down to what does Steph want more? Does he want to go out with his boys? Or does he want to win a title? Is he comfortable not winning a title? Um, despite the fact that he looks like he's going to have an elongated prime. Steph himself looks like he's going to stay on top for probably a number of years because his game is so skill-based um, and his hand-eye coordination is going to age pretty well. What does he want more? Does he want to win more? Or does he want to Does he want to be, you know with Draymond and Clay more. And, you know, people. I've heard people say, well, the Warriors should just trade Clay Thompson. You're not trading Clay Thompson without Steph Curry's approval. <laughs> You're not doing it. What? So then he could come back to you potentially 48 hours later and say, hey, you know what? I've decided I don't like you guys anymore. You just traded my buddy. You didn't consult me. I now want to be in Charlotte. I want to go play for the Knicks. I want out. Then your whole thing blows up, and you've got this super expensive arena, and no headliner. So you got to Steph is part of the decision-making brass. You know, he doesn't own the team, but maybe he's going to get a piece of the team. And maybe that's the trade-off. If you're lake up, I'll give you a piece of the team, but let us move on from these guys. Maybe that's the deal they cut. But if you're Steph Curry, you got a decision to make. Do you want to ride out with green and Thompson and maybe not win a title? Or do you want to move those guys or at least be open to moving those guys or one of those guys and see if you can 
you know, put together a, a cast of characters that will get it done. I saw a deal the other day that the Warriors would trade two number ones and Chris Paul to the Bulls for Nikola Vucevic and uh, Caruso, uh, the guard. I would do that. I think that would help them immensely. Um, there were Bleacher Report had five trades that they would consider for Draymond Green that they put out in an article yesterday. And the trades are really kind of interesting. Um, it one is Draymond for Grant Williams, Rashawn Holmes, and a second. Don't want that. One's for Buddy Heald and Jalen Smith. Don't want that. Um, one's for Harrison Barnes, JaVale McGee, and a couple second-round picks to Sacramento. Don't want that. But there were two of them in here that were kind of interesting. One was Trey Draymond and a top-five protected first-round pick in 2027 to the Cavs for Sam Merrill and Jared Allen. Well, Sam Merrill's just a guy. But Jared Allen, Jared Allen's a big man who can block shots, run the floor. Um, I could be sold on the value of Jared Allen. The one that I liked the best was Draymond to the Lakers for Rui Hachimura and Jackson Hayes. Jackson Hayes is a seven-footer who can run the floor. Hachimura is a combo forward who's got a lot of talent, really good guy, played at Gonzaga, works hard, great athlete. You're getting younger. You're getting faster. You're getting two guys who can really run the floor and play up tempo. Um, I would consider that. I absolutely would consider that. Draymond may go to L.A. and win a ring there with LeBron, uh, but you turn the page on Draymond. And as far as Clay Thompson, I don't know what Clay Thompson's worth in a trade market. I don't know if anybody really wants Clay Thompson at the kind of money that he's making and, and um, you know, everything that goes along with the twilight of his career. I don't know. I don't know. But that's the decision. It's Steph and Clay. It, it, you know, it's Steph. Steph's call. Steph, what do you want? You want to win or you want to go out with your guys? You may get You may get one, but you probably don't get both. So if it comes down to an either or, Steph, the ball's in your court. What do you want? You want Draymond and Clay to the finish line, or do you desperately need that fifth ring? If you desperately need that fifth ring, you may have to say goodbye to the goodbye to your guys. And the Warriors can't make this decision. Steph has to make this decision. This is not a Joe decision. This is not a Dunleavy decision. This is Steph's call. What does he want? All right. That's topic number two. Let's save our extra time and reset the timer. And now we've covered Cam Newton. We've covered uh, Steph, the Warriors and Steph Curry. We'll reset the timer here. And there we go. All right. Now let's jump in and talk a little bit about the Giants. And then we will devote the rest of the show to your phone calls. All right, let's get in on the Giants right here. Um, this, to me, has been a very interesting week for the San Francisco Giants. Um, on And there's really two topics that, you know, that we want to touch on. One, the Giants signed Jung-Hoo Lee to a six-year deal for $113 million. And they officially made the announcement uh, he's going to get $5 million in a signing bonus He's going to make salaries of $7 million this year, $16 million in 2025, and then $22 million per year in 2026, 2027, 
um, and then twenty point five million in each of the final two years, in twenty eight and twenty nine. If he doesn't opt out after the fourth year, he's got a fourth year. He's got an opt out after the fourth year. So the Giants give him a six year, hundred and thirteen million dollar deal um, with the opt out after four years. And in addition to that, the Giants will owe a posting fee of $18.8 million to the Kiwoom Heroes of the KBO. Uh, this is a Scott Boris deal for Lee. He's 25. Uh, he's been a highly anticipated free agent for over a year. It was reported in January that the Heroes of the KBO would post him for clubs this year. Um, he had a great 2022 season. He's got strong plate discipline. Um Last year, he walked in 10.5% of his plate appearances. He struck out in just 5.1% of them. He's never hit more than 15 home runs in a season in the KBO. He did manage to tally 23, or he's had one season, I should say, of over 15. He had 23 in that one season. He finished with a batting line of 349 with a 421 on base. Um, so he was 75% better than the league average in the KBO. He also won a Gold Glove Award for the fifth straight year. He's also earned the MVP honors in the KBO. Um, and then in 2023, he played just 86 games because of a fractured ankle. He hit 318 with a 406 on base, six home runs in 86 games. He injured the left angle, ankle in late July, and it had to have surgery, which ended his year. The Giants wanted him, the Padres, the Yanks, the Mets, and the Giants eventually get him. Um, I'm not a big fan of this signing and I've talked about it on Twitter, $19 million a year for a slap hitter is to me a dramatic overpay. The other thing that really concerns me is that the KBO pitchers average fastballs, 88, the big leagues, the average fastballs, 94. I don't think they're going to pitch him off the corners and, you know, and, and mess around with them. I think he's, they're going to come right down the middle with hard stuff and we're going to find out if he can hit it. It's going to be hard stuff on the hands all night long. Every team in baseball has got a series of guys that can throw 95, and many of them throw 98. Then you look at the fact that the KBO is the baseball equivalent of high A ball, and they just gave $19 million to a minor leaguer coming off a fractured ankle that nobody knows exactly how he's going to bounce back from. So I don't see him walking a ton. There's not a lot of power there. He's got an elongated swing. There's some durability concerns. He hits the ball hard on the ground. He hits ground balls almost 60% of the time. You could have had Cody Bellinger, you know, and you could have had Harrison Bader for a whole lot less money. I also don't see a leadoff hitter. Um, I think this guy's going to hit seven, eight, or nine in the Giants lineup. Supposedly he struggles against the slider, struggles against the cutter. They're saying that he doesn't have much of an outfield arm and he may profile best as a left fielder. So he's not a runner. He's only got 69 steals in seven seasons in the KBO, and that was before ankle surgery. So I don't know. Um, they say he doesn't swing the bat with like the opposite field. He doesn't hit the ball to the opposite field with authority. Here's a quote from the scouting report. To improve and cement himself as a serious major leaguer, Lee will have to completely overhaul his swing, combined with the fact that the KBO pitchers simply don't challenge hitters anywhere close to the level MLB pitchers can. Lee's likelihood to produce in 2024 is bleak. The major league comp on him is Jeff McNeil. 
Um, I like Jeff McNeil, but $113 million for Jeff McNeil. So there's my skepticism. Um, to me, it's a dramatic overpay. He has to be an every t- a full-time, everyday starting center fielder. Can't be a platoon guy. Not for not for $113 million. You're not paying $19 million a year for a platoon outfielder without power. So he's got to he's got to play every day. I'm seeing a guy that I think is going to hit about 270 with 10 home runs and 10 to 15 stolen bases, and that is a dramatic overpay for 113 million dollars. So, um, and I'll say this: if he is the big acquisition for the Giants, the Giants are screwed. I mean, they really are. That this cannot be their big move. They better follow this up with Yamamoto, Blake Snell, Reese Hoskins, Matt Chapman, Jorge Soler, Cody Bellinger. I mean, there better be something big coming, bigger. If this is the big move, I think they're screwed. So, you know, it's a pretty, I mean, let's just say this. Even if you're the biggest Giants fan of all time, this is a major, major projection. You're projecting so much here. Um, maybe it works out, and I'm rooting for them. And I hope it works out. But this is a major, major pro- uh, projection for the Giants. Um, and I just think that, man, you're you're really gonna throw this. If let's just say, you know, they say KBO's high A, like uh, almost high A or between high A and double A. You just spent $113 million on a double-A guy coming off a down year, ankle surgery, never done it in the big leagues, who some people think is is going to have to revamp his swing and doesn't throw well. For $113 million? $19 million? You know what? When I looked at what they're paying him, they're paying him the same thing that the Astros are paying Jordan Alvarez. They're paying him what the Diamondbacks are paying uh, Corbin Carroll. They're expecting this guy to be a star. He's got to play like a star. He's got to be an everyday guy. He's got probably got to be a leadoff hitter. He's got to be a center fielder. I mean, it's just this is not what I expected. I mean, Farhan takes so few risks and then takes this risk. KBO hitter, a, a, you know, projecting a double A guy to the big leagues. And you gave him, you telling me there was another team out there that was willing to give this guy anything close to this. I think Boris took Farhan for a big ride here. Six years and $113 million. For this level of a projection, <laughs> I mean, I hope it works out. But, man, if, if they don't follow it up with Blake Snell or Yoshinobu Yamamoto or Jorge Soler or Reese Hoskins or Matt Chapman or some series of other moves, this could be a disaster. If this is the big pickup, they're screwed. But I still can't get over $19 million for a guy that they're comparing to Jeff McNeil. I'll tell you what I think he's going to do. 270 to 285, 10 to 15 home runs, 10 to 15 stolen bases, good D in center. Is that worth 19 
million dollars a year? Really? And the Giants love to platoon. This guy can't be a platoon. You can't spend $19 million on a platoon outfielder. This guy's got to be a full-time guy. So this is major risk. Major, major, major risk. I don't, I don't, I mean, even if you're the hardest of hardcore Giants fans, you have to admit this is a major risk. All right. In the final five minutes of this segment, before we open it up to the phone calls and digital Drew's in the house, Niner gangs in the house, we'll let these guys have their say in the final 15 minutes or maybe roughly 20 minutes of the show. Um, the other thing that got a lot of headlines that I got a comment on is Buster Posey's comments and Buster basically came out and, um, and talked a little bit about this. Um, and, and just said that, you know, that, um, San Francisco, believe it or not, because of the homeless problem and the drug problem and the, the real city problems, um, is not been a selling point to prospective, prospective free agents and their wives. And then immediately there's all these people are like, I'm not voting for Buster for the hall of fame. Wow. Really? So Buster just shared with you. And, and I know people would say, Oh, you know, it comes across like a weak excuse by Buster, but I think he's right. I'm a native San Franciscan. The city of San Francisco should be a major selling point, but it's gotten a ton of bad publicity nationally. It's become a political football. The impact of that bad publicity is that wives of Major League Baseball free agents are not in a rush to come here. San Francisco's a great city. It's a world-class city. Uh, there's no question in my mind. It's a far safer city than Chicago, than New Orleans, than D.C., than many, many, many big cities where the murder rates are far greater. It's far safer than those places. But the perception becomes the reality. And the perception is that San Francisco is a city to stay away from. Should be a selling point, but it isn't. It's become exactly the opposite. And you can get mad at Buster. And this is one of those things. And I can, I can understand um, why people are pushing back because they've got pride in the city. But don't, you're pushing back on the wrong guy. Buster, don't kill the messenger because you don't like the message. He's not making an excuse. He's telling you about the reality of doing business in 2023 in San Francisco. This is the reality. You can argue with it, but this is the reality. If you're telling me that wives of big leaguers don't want to be here because they watch TV shows and they show feces maps and, and needles and highlight the problems that San Francisco has and they're scared about raising their family here and they prefer to be elsewhere. You're going to get mad at Buster Posey for that. The people that have pushed back so angrily on Buster Posey, who's such a class act, such an honest guy. Oh, he should go back to Georgia and all this garbage. My God, that's how you treat a franchise icon who shares with you a fact that he's noticed in the midst of these negotiations. It's not an excuse. It's reality. And it's sad. It, it's a factor that has zero to do with the competence of the San Francisco Giants. It has zero to do with the competence of the Giant Ownership Group or Bob Melvin or Farhan Zaidi or Buster himself. It has nothing to do with any of their competency. And I know it comes across as, oh, man, they're making excuses. Just get it done. 
he's sharing with you honestly what feedback he's getting from free agents. And you guys are killing him because you don't like the message. Shame on you. This is this is reality. Now, this is when he I say reality, this, it's all based on a perception. And it really doesn't matter if it's true or not. It really doesn't matter if it's accurate or not. This is the perception. So he's sharing with us that, you know what? This is the perception of what's going on with the Giants. This is the perception of what's going on in San Francisco. And people are just rising up and they're just being like, I hate Buster. And they're crapping on Buster. He's just telling you what he's hearing from agents, players, and their wives. And guess who makes the decision on whether or not to come to San Francisco? Agents, players, and the players' wives. So we can sit here all we want and get really, 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 really mad about Buster. What Buster said and Buster this and Buster that. And it doesn't really matter if it's if 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 um you know why they have the perception, just that they have the perception. That's their perception of the situation. We all know San Francisco is a political football. It's largely because Gavin Newsom is going to run for president and the right wing media is pushing back hard on Gavin Newsom and trying to kneecap him. And how do you do that? You kill his hometown. And so we all get it. I mean, it's not like it's not like there's a mystery what's going on here. We know exactly what's going on, but it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. This is how the agents, the players and their wives feel. And I believe Buster, when he says this is the feedback he's getting and the fact that he's sharing it with us, this is don't kill the messenger because you don't like the message. All right, let's let's get your calls right here. Uh, we're, we've gone, um, let's see, we're 27 minutes into it. We're going to go till 45. So we got about, we got about, uh, 20 minutes or so, or roughly 15 minutes to take your calls. I got to go pick up my kid from a class. So I got to get out of here by, by 10 two. Um, but let's do this. Let's kill the clock for a second here. We'll move the clock away and, oh, I guess we can restart it here in the final 15. Um, and then what we'll do is we'll, uh, we'll hit the calls. And of course we're brought to you by New York style, Italian sausage. We're brought to you by pig and a pickle Marin auto glass, New York style, Italian sausage, of course, is our, our longest, uh, longest, uh, sponsor. They've been with us the longest amount of time. And then of course, underdog fantasy and mojo fantasy are our newest sponsors and the title sponsor of the crook show. Pig and a pickle. And on that note, we go to Digital Drew. Hey, what's up, Larry? Doing great, man. What's on your mind? Awesome. All right. Uh, last call in, called in. I ripped Cam pretty good. Uh, and wow, he did not disappoint in doubling down on the game manager stuff. I mean, come on, dude. I'm a game manager. <laughs> okay. Purdy, Purdy is not a game manager. But it, it, I don't know why we keep putting that in the pejorative column i know it's used that way by all these people but it just doesn't seem to make any sense because managing the game or taking what the defense gives you or you know not taking unnecessary risks understanding what the position of the game is what the right call is at the right time how is that a negative i'm sorry i'm lost i i I understand why people use it the way they do but it's just never ever made any sense to me 
Well, and 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 it is it is a pejorative. It is viewed as a way to slight a quarterback. Um, it's basically like saying that you're a product of your surroundings. You're not really you're not really good on your own. You're good because of Kyle. You're good because of the weapons. And um, Kyle was here, and his quarterbacks were nine and twenty nine. And those quarterbacks yeah. that were lousy that made up those nine wins and 29 losses, had a great series of weapons, um, many of the weapons that they have today, but they didn't make use of them. So I just think it's – I'm pushing back mostly on the Brock part of it, but, I mean, today he grew it to include Brady and Manning. Cam Newton, you're not better than Tom Brady. Cam Newton, you're not better than Peyton Manning. You could make a strong argument that Cam Newton's the worst quarterback uh, of all of these quarterbacks that he called game managers, he might be worse than all of them. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And I, I know that I, I believe you're right that he's making a play to get on one of these morning shows or one of these national rags where they sit back and throw out, you know, pre-processed opinions that don't make any sense. Uh, this is so clownish. You're not going to get on. In fact, even the hacks that are there now are just going to go. Ugh, that's a little. That's a little outlandish, even for us. Uh, and, and then, and, and then the other thing that always that makes me laugh is that Cam, you know, it's like he. If I started commenting about rank, if I started ranking radio guys, people would throw my radio career back in it and put me in the mix of it. If I started ranking content creators, people would would then put my content up against the people that I'm ranking. So it's like, if you're going to rank NFL quarterbacks, expect that you're going to be, you know, what you did as a quarterback is yeah. going to be part of the dialogue. And he doesn't seem comfortable with that either. Yeah, and and he was a great player. He obviously had some, you know, some shortcomings. And that's fine. I, I, I don't even have to bring his career into it. It's just a terrible take is a terrible take. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it makes you scratch your head as to like, why, uh, you know, are you, why are you going after him? And I guess bigger picture, we see such pushback on the national stage against Purdy. I can't for the life of me understand. Well, I guess I can. Their opinions are, are not coming from a stat-based or film-based place. Right. I've I've heard criticism about how he wears his hat, what his name well, that, was. I mean, that, come on, Colin Coward. Uh, yeah. That was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. Uh, you know, Nick Wright uh, last week says we have to be honest about who the great players are. Well, we also have to be honest who the great commentators are. You sir are not one of them. In fact, you're a clown. So these guys have to get the hell out of the way. But when it comes to Purdy specifically, I, in the criticism, they kind of provide the blueprint of what they're willing to accept as far as a great quarterback goes. He's got to have all the intangibles. He's got to tick all the boxes on the physical end. He's got to have the right look. He's got to carry himself the right way. They're being gatekeepers on who they deem, uh, you know, as as franchise quarterbacks or the faces of the league. Even though, if you look at if you look at what Purdy's doing, you look at the stats, you look at the film, you look how how he carries himself, they're really grasping at straws here, and they're bringing their own preconceived ideas of what they think a quarterback in the NFL should be. He doesn't fit that mold, so he's being written off. And they're pulling at any excuse possible from the name, from the hat, from all these different things to try to make that so. Is the only way out of that pitfall 
for him is just winning the Super Bowl? Is that the only way out of it for Purdy? That, and that's the beauty of it. I mean, uh, Purdy was asked yesterday by Grant Cohn, is, are you a game manager? And he's like, I don't know, man. We'll see when this is all over. And I think what he means by that is we'll see on Super Bowl Sunday. You know, I, there's going to be a moment. And I, I, the best quote comes from Richard Sherman, who's like, you know what? The, nothing's going to make the doubters go away. He's just going to have to go out there and take it. Nobody's going to hand him anything. Nobody's going to give him flowers. Yep. Nobody's going to say, hey, you're Brock, you're this or you're that. He's going to go have to go take it. And when he takes it, they'll have to give him, give him uh, a credit. They'll have to give him applause. They'll have to recognize that he went and took it. But until the day he takes it, they will doubt him. I get the sense when I talk to a number of content creator people who do what I do that there's a group of them out there that literally will not give him the full endorsement, like wholehearted endorsement, until he wins that ring. Think about yeah. that for a second. He has to win the ultimate prize before he's going to win people over. But you know what? It's not that ch- things are not that different than Joe Montana. Joe Montana won the Super Bowl in January of 82. And yet when he got into the Super Bowl in January of 85, after the 84 season, there were people that went into that week saying, well, yeah, Joe's nice, but he ain't Marino. Because Marino had the big arm. Marino had the big stats. Marino, 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 Marino. Yep. What did did Joe do? He went out and won the Super Bowl MVP. And from that point on, he was the made man. He had actually won a Super Bowl before he won over everybody. He didn't actually win people over on a national scale as fully legit. He was a product of Walsh. He was a product of the Niners and this and that, all until he beat Marino and won that second Super Bowl. So, yeah. You know what? And that and if that had been the Twitter era, there would have been people all week going, "Yeah, Joe's nice, but he's a product of Walsh and he's a product of the surroundings and this and that, and he's not, you know, he's not the guy. Um, Marino's the guy." And then Joe went out and proved it. And Brock's going to have to do the same on Super Bowl Sunday in Vegas. Um, you know, in, on February the 11th if he's going to if he's going to get his full acceptance across the board. And he's just going to have to take it. Not, nobody's going to give it to him. He's just going to have to go take it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I was, I was going to talk the dubs, but I don't know. Uh, it's a bit too depressing for me. I love Draymond, but he's just got to get his head right. Uh, he, you know, it's this is the first season since Curry's been on the roster that I looked at it and just went, they're old. They're old, man. They're, they're, they're old. slow. They're old. They don't. That magic is gone. That magic is gone. Yep. And I think Kerr is at a loss as to what to do because I think now basketball IQ and the loyalty to players are now at odds with each other. Right. Uh, and he should take the bench and put them. He should take the bench and start them. Take the right. starters and put them on the bench and say, "Hey, anybody got a problem with that? Check your ego at the freaking door." But yeah. instead, he's trying to he's trying to massage everything, and he doesn't want Clay to. He doesn't want to lose Clay, and he doesn't want to lose Draymond. He doesn't want to yeah. screw their feelings. Put the bench on in the road in the lineup. Take the starters and put them on the bench. Looney looks old and tired. Draymond has. Obviously, lots of problems, and is going to be out for a while. Right. Clay Thompson is a shadow of what he used to be, and they've got good young players that can play. 
Trace yeah. Jackson Davis, Brandon Pajemski, Jonathan Kuminga, Moses Moody. Those guys have yeah. to be in there with Steph, and they need to take their starters and sit them on the bench. Yeah, I saw something against OKC a couple weeks back that just infuriated me and let me know this is going to be a lost season. Uh, Moses Moody, uh, it was in the fourth quarter. He was obviously the hot hand. He was four for four from downtown, six for six shooting in the game. Two of the threes that didn't count still went in because they were waved off because of fouls. Kerr pulled him and put Clay into the game, which Clay then turned around and missed three straight shots. Wow. And I just thought, he's not just okay, missing so either. It's, and he's it's not old. just missing. He's hitting. He's hitting the bottom of the backboard. Hey, did your Drew? Let me yeah. jump because I want to get to these three cool. other callers. But uh, have a great Friday, my man. Yeah, you too. Take there. You go, Digital Drew in Chicago. Niner gang, you're up. What's going on, Larry? How we doing? I'm doing great, man. What do you want to talk about? Man, you know, I'm not a whole lot. I'll make it quick for you. I know you got to run, man. I just want to give you your freaking flowers, bro. For man, you went through a gauntlet last night with Jesse and Coach. Man, that was rough. That was rough. Dude. And it's just like we keep we keep moving the goalposts. We keep changing the topic. We keep changing the measuring stick. It's like it's a I was I, I, I love those guys. I love them both. They're both really good. But um, I, I was getting to my wits end last night. Well, my, my thing is, man, I watch it all. I've watched you been watching you for a long time now. I've watched Jess, too. Like Jess, like Coach, man, but they're all great. They're both great. One, one thing with Jess right now, it's kind of um, on the fence about is He's got this his little three year rule for quarterbacks and all this that and the other and it's like it's like you just said with the last caller you know it's like he's not gonna give him his flowers until he wins a Super Bowl and then if he wins a Super Bowl and doesn't get the MVP probably still not gonna give him his flowers so this guy has like I, I was on I went on Damon's show a few minutes ago just to say hi to Damon yeah and uh, he did that dude could throw for twenty touchdowns in the Super Bowl five thousand yards freaking undefeated and they would still find something to move the goalpost. Bottom I mean, seriously, here. I mean, nobody wants to give the, there were, there were many guys, I'm not saying those guys, but many guys who wanted to go with Trey Lance and not Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy's 15 and three. He's completing 70% of his passes. He's got 25 touchdowns and seven picks this year. He's got 38 touchdowns and 11 picks. I mean, the guys completed, the guy has been un freaking believable if you if you still need to see more I, I i got a question why well the thing of it is is it's just like it doesn't matter i mean we can sit here and pick apart he has this guy he has that guy plain and simple look what happened to patrick mahomes in the super bowl against tom brady when he lost one lineman right one lineman and two actually won. lost both tackles and he and he was suddenly it was jailbreak on mahomes and look at look at mahomes right now they just lost at home to Buffalo because he's got no receivers. And, Football and is, is a nowhere, team sport. And it's nowhere near no knock towards Patrick Mahomes because he's great. This is a team great. sport, to your point. He cannot throw and catch the ball to himself. It just does not. He can't block, hike, throw the ball, and catch the damn thing. It just doesn't work that way. You know, but with as far as, you know, how Coach and them are, were coming at it last night and Jess, you know, I love those two guys, man. I just I, I disagree with their take on it. Game manager, I think, is one of the utmost disrespectful comments you could make towards a quarterback. We couldn't um, even get, we couldn't even come to common ground on that. Nope. nope. It was like, even, how, do you, how what do you mean? Why is it a negative? It's like, it's a negative because it is. It's just, I just feel like not coach so much. I, I, let me stop calling him my name. I just feel like certain people, they just don't want to, uh, 
they're afraid to be wrong to a sense, you know, but on the back side of it, they're sitting there saying they're okay with being wrong with their takes being wrong. Well, the great thing about this is to your to how you do things is you, Damon, and some of the other guys that I will say by name, they you guys make a point, you stand on it, and you roll with it. And if it's wrong, it's freaking wrong, dude. Who cares? Right. People dude, I've been dude, I've been doing this since 1995. I've been wrong. All and right. I, but I've been Lance wrong. Thing, like some of these guys wanted Trey Lance. They wanted Brock Purdy. Some of them wanted to even go get Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. I'm a fan. Okay. I don't know any of these guys personally. You may. I don't. I don't know any of them personal, but as a fan, I want who's going to do best for the team. I don't care. I know it wouldn't be Sam Darnold. This is a hypothetical. But even if it was Sam Darnold, let the boy play. I don't care who it is. I'm a fan. I simply want my Niners to win. And it does not matter who is the quarterback. I will support them no matter what. No matter he's the last fucking, excuse my language, the last pick in the draft or the first pick in the draft. I was behind Trey when they drafted Trey. Dude, I almost did a backflip off my bed. I was excited. We all And we all wanted Trey to be that guy. And I'm, I'll say this. I'm in the minority on this one because I think Trey is eventually is going to get it going. But it, it wasn't going to be here in this on this timeline. Uh, he's a long-range play. They probably should have recognized that, but I haven't, I haven't given up on him. I I've met him. I've talked to him. I really believe in him, but I think he's going to be come. I think he's going to come of age in like 2026. What is he like? You know 23 what I mean? years old. 24 he's 23. Years old. I mean, Steve young, you got to remember this. People are, we're, we're so quick to either anoint somebody or just bash them. It's like Trey Lance. If he was bad, for five more years would still be three years ahead of Steve Young. Steve Young was not good until he was 31. Five years from now, Trey Lance is going to be 28. Think about that. He could be bad for five more years and still become a Hall of Famer. Well, look at freaking Jordan Love. He sat on the bench behind Rodgers for three years. He doesn't look so great when he first came in this season, but as the season's progressing, he's getting better. I'm not saying he's you know, turn into a great or whatever, but you see the improvement, right? And if you don't play, you cannot improve. You can practice all damn day. You can throw 10,000 balls a day. It still does not change that live action rep that when you got someone breathing down your neck, that's trying to rip your helmet off you, you know, and that's what Trey needed. And to your point, the timelines never added up. It didn't make sense to me in the beginning. I didn't know what was, what's the concept there other than I had a big hope and a hope that, Maybe Trey's ready to go. Maybe they know something we don't, but turns out that wasn't the case. Maybe that was the case, but unfortunately injuries derailed his derailed the plan, you know, and I they agree. made a choice. They went with the highest upside prospect and they got him, but they weren't, they didn't realize that it was a long range play. Um, it was an unprecedented draft choice. He has, an, has had an unprecedented uh, career. Uh, you mix in the pandemic as well. Um, there's all kinds of, but still at the end of the day, I, I come down to the scouting side of it. Does he have the physical gifts? Yes. Does he have the mental gifts? Yes. Does he have, is football important to him? Yes. Those are my three most important boxes. They're all checked. He's smart enough. He's athletic enough. Football means enough to him. So guess what? He's eventually going to get it going. Yep. It took Vinny Testaverde a long time. It took Steve Young a long time. It took Sonny Jurgensen a long time. It took Roger Staubach a long time. It took Terry Bradshaw a long time. 
It's sometimes go look at the top quarterbacks, the Hall of Fame quarterbacks. There's like 23 of them in the Hall of Fame. Of the 23 Hall of Fame quarterbacks, like 20 of them were no good in their first three years. So we can't make this decision based on three years. It didn't work for Trey here, but it will work. He will make it. And I and and you know, I really firmly believe that. If I'm wrong, I'll stand on that too. But I really believe that the night and I said it all last year. So the Niners have two franchise quarterbacks, Brock Purdy and Trey Lance. Brock Purdy's just ready to go right now. Lance is not, but I really believe they're both franchise quarterbacks. And I'll stand on that. They before this it's all said and done, both these guys are going to be franchise quarterbacks. I really firmly to this minute, I believe that. I think with the Trey Lance and Kyle situation and now Brock, I feel like is absorbing the the, the brunt of it, you know, because people are just I, I believe the ones that are negative towards him are the ones that probably were leaning towards Trey Lance. But the fact of the matter is it's neither one of those boys fault. I'm sorry, young men's fault where they ended up or how their career is turning out. Trey, Trey got injured. You know, it's not I mean, whatever. But I think this is more of a reflection of the of Kyle, the regime, the way they drafting, the drafting process. They took the, like you said, highest process, you know, upside talent, but not realizing that they're ready to win now. And it just yeah. didn't back up. And it's more to me, it's more of a reflection of Kyle and, and you know, the scouting staff. I also think, I, I mean, I'm, I'm back to the content creator um, category. I think there's a lot of uh, people who, you know, they're content creators and they're really, they don't realize that be entertaining and give an opinion. But at the end of the day, people are not watching you because you're somehow smarter than everybody else. People aren't watching this show because I'm smarter than you. I'm not. I'm just a guy observing. You're not watching this because you're smart. I'm smarter than you. You're watching this, hopefully, at least in my mind, because we're providing some entertainment, right? It's supposed to be entertaining and a little, uh, you know, constructive uh, conversation and dialogue around sports and teams that we love. That's really all it is. And I think that a lot of people who get in this category think that they have that they have to be right. And if they're somehow proven to be wrong, they're going to lose all all uh, credibility and their audience. No, no. It's about being putting on a good show. These are shows. It's about being entertaining. And a coach is tremendously entertaining. Jesse is tremendously entertaining. And and they and they're and they're credible as well. But you're gonna if you're human, you're going to make you're gonna get some right, you're gonna get some wrong. But it, most importantly is that you provide an entertaining outlet and entertaining show that people, you know, in their disposable time and there's, you know, want to spend time uh, watching on YouTube. Hey, uh, Hey, Niner gang, let me jump because I've got a couple more people that I want to get to and I got to get my pick up my kid top of the hour. Heck yeah. Thank you for having me, Larry. I'll catch you soon, buddy. Great show. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. Have a great day. Hanif Razak is with us. Hanif, how are you, man? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Good. Where are you calling from? Sankara. Nice. What's on your mind? Uh, so Brock Purdy. Um, honestly, what Cam Newton said about Brock Purdy, like he's a, a game manager, not a game change, not a game changer. That that just, that just doesn't make sense. Cause like uh, like that throw against uh, Jacksonville, he was he was uh, scrambling out to the left, right? Right. He, he threw over George Kittle and four defenders to get it to Brent Ivey. That was impressive. 
if nothing, I mean, the one thing I, I'd push back the most is like if you heard Shanahan's interview yesterday on KMBR with uh, Tolbert and Copeland, um, you know, he talks about how how Brock never wants to check it down. You know, he's always thinking aggressive. He's always thinking down the field, attack, attack, attack. And that's the opposite mindset of a game manager. A game manager is looking for the safe underneath. Let me get it out of my hands. Let me just safe dump offs to the running back. Don't take chances. That's not Brock. And that's not Brock. I know a lot of people think that's Brock, but that's not Brock. Yeah. But like at the same time, we still got to see three more years because like, like Matt Ryan in his MVP year, right? He was some, he was a good elite quarterback, but then the year afterwards and, and like two years afterwards, he started like becoming less and less of his 2016 self. So we still got to see because he lost Shanahan. <laughs> yeah, that's true, I mean that was right? a big part of it, right? They lost Shanahan, yeah, totally. and suddenly he he didn't have as good of a supporting cast. He won the MVP. He had amazing um, you know year there. They were incredible on first down, number one offense. But I do agree that you have to you know you got to keep you got to stack games and then you got to stack seasons. But all we have is what we have in front of us. And I'm not going to sit there and say, well, tune in three years from now, and I'll tell you what I think. I'll tell you what I think right now. And three years from now, if it changes, I'll tell you that I, my opinion's changed. And if three years from now he's cemented that legacy as a Hall of Fame quarterback or as a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, I'll say that too. So these shows happen in the present. I wouldn't defer my opinion to, the, to tomorrow just because I'll know more tomorrow. Yeah, I would say like right now he's better than Burrow. Right now he's better than Hurts. Better than Dak Prescott right now, but like career-wise, we don't really know because they have more experience. So we still gotta wait like three years if you're gonna compare them. Like, I mean, you you know you know I've heard people say, well, hey, you know, you, I hate guys who Jesse made the point last night. Um, I don't like comparing guys who have been you know two years in for a guy who's had a whole career. All I would say is compare guys who have had a whole career's first couple of years. Compare them at similar points. You can make comparisons between Cam Newton and Brock Purdy. You can make com comparisons between Matt Ryan and Brock Purdy. Compare them at the same stage. You know, where were they at the same age? Where were they at the same part in their career? Um, and then you evaluate from there. But it's fluid. The whole thing's fluid. And at the end of the day, all we're talking is football anyway. So, I mean, people get, we all get a little too, uh, too bent on our opinions. Hanif, have a great day, man. I want to squeeze in two more before the end of the hour. Oh. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Hutch, we go to the mayor of Murfreesboro. What's up, Hutch? How are you, man? Hey, how's it going? Can you hear me? Yep, loud and clear, man. Awesome. Uh, I want to make two quick points about uh, Draymond, the Warriors, and then the Niners, and then we'll talk about the Giants. So with Draymond, I feel like you got to trade him because he's already cost you a championship. Okay. And give him to what you've already seen time and time again. I mean, if you want to keep him, okay, but Joe Lacob and Steph need to have a sit down with him and be like, if one more little pinky toe like crosses the line, like, sorry, we, we got to do it because, I mean, they've always talked about it. The Warriors, they want to win championships. Steph wants to win championships. I, I'd imagine he wants to get more than Michael. I mean, it's just my take on it. I, so, anyway, that's real quick with him. When it comes yep. to the Niners, this whole Brock Purdy thing, like – Seriously. Like what? Like what? What are we talking about? Here? Tune in like, Sunday. That's what I would say. <laughs> Tune in what on are Sunday. We talking about here, like 
trust like your eyes your your eyes like they don't deceive you you know it's your mind he's 15 and 3 you. he's completed 70% of his passes he's got 38 touchdowns and 11 picks they win they win they win some more just consider yeah. yourself lucky and tune in on time for Sunday's game yeah i don't know it's and cam newton i mean really dude like whatever now the giants thing i think it's a huge risk but isn't this the longest contract Farhan has ever given out? Yes, a hundred and thirteen million dollars yes. to a to a guy who is coming out of the KBO is the biggest risk that guy has ever taken. So, I will say, I think to me, just how I read the tea leaves, as you always say, it it's it seems to me that they will be making more moves because they better they are taking more risks now in terms of the whole san francisco city thing with buster posey like the people are ripping buster posey just bye see ya don't care why because he's telling you the truth yeah people you don't like it like to live in this delusion man it's it's nuts but i i i I do think if i'm larry bear if i'm charles the johnsons i go to joe lacob and i say let's clean up the city like you have to do it i mean when was the last biggest player that decided to come to the Giants? It was Carlos Beltran. Before that, no, 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 no. He was that was a trade. Yeah, it was a trade. Yeah, that's the thing. It wasn't even a signing. No, I mean, I mean the the Giant. No, there haven't really been. I mean, Andre Iguodala. I mean, I'm thinking of the last big signing, Javon Hargrave. Football yeah. players are different. It's Santa Clara. It's you know they're not. How much time are they spending in downtown San Francisco? You know, I mean it's it's a little different for football, but. Yeah, no, I mean, there has to be this is this is a London breed problem. This I mean, yeah. this is th- there's you know tons of restaurants and businesses closing all throughout San Francisco for assortment of reasons. Um yeah. and I mean, and this is on her watch and she needs to she needs to remember that the number one industry of this city is tourism. Mm-hmm. And so the cleanliness of the streets and the the you know having um you know, a good image nationally is absolutely in your best interest. It should be your number one priority because people coming here with their disposable income on vacation is the number one industry of the city. We don't make steel. We don't make anything. We are a tourism city and she needs to fit. She needs to understand that. And I don't think she does. She wrapped herself around this idea of we're going to defund the police and then all of a sudden that doesn't invited a lot work. of bad people. It invited a lot work. of bad people and a lot I mean already it's a West Coast city and it's mild climate, so you're gonna have a lot of homeless people. That's just reality. It's no yeah. different than San Diego or LA. Um, but we gotta remember that tourism is where is where our bread is buttered here. Hutch, let me jump because I got one more one more. I just I just wanna say one more thing. Hey, yeah. if any any other radio station or naysayer or whoever whoever says hey you can't use sf wake up call or you know whatever bullshit they want to throw at you i know the best process servers and the best process serving companies in the area we can sue their asses (laughs) all right if if i hear you brother the san francisco 49ers and be like hey you have to make every other radio station every other contact creator be like you can't use this we'll do it Give That's all right. We'll be just fine. Hey, Hutch, <laughs> have a good day. Have a great day, man. Appreciate you, brother. There you go. And we finish with Michael Monahan. Michael, uh, we only got two minutes, but fire away. 
Hey, uh, hopefully my landscapers in the background aren't making too much noise. Hey, did you see Gronk's comment when he was talking to Edelman the other day about Brock? No. What did he say? So basically what Gronk said is he kind of flipped the script. He said Brock is such a good game manager that it makes him a game changer. That's a great and, one. I love I that. Think I think it's true because he is that. Plus, you know, with his arm and his throws, he's making, you know, he's making big plays on top of that. But I, I thought that was cool given all this other ridiculous commentary. Um, no so, question. I love that one. It's totally true. The guy's efficiency is off the charts. Yeah. So I was listening to the show with you and Jesse and the coach last night, and I just yeah. had to, I had to leave. The conversation was just taking such a squarely turn that I was like, okay, what is the point of this conversation? So, so I just, I bailed because I was like, this is making me so mad. I just got to, got... <laughs> like, why are we even talking about this? And, and in this way, it was just silly. And we, and no, hardly any dialogue on the Niners and the Cardinals or the or the playoff run ahead. All these all these uh, discussions about about things that mean jack and shit. Exactly. <laughs> but whatever. I mean, you know what? I, everybody gets a different uh, a time to lead and a time to follow. It was my time to follow, and what can I say? Yeah, and I love all you guys, but I just that couldn't. I do, Jim. I mean, those guys are great. I love those guys. Last thing. Do you did you ever go to Zelda's Pizza when you were Hornet at Sac State? Yes, I've been there. Um, we there was a bunch of different pl places that we used to go, but I do remember going there. Do you remember those old fat cratchety waitresses that were just rude as hell, but <laughs> you you dealt with it so that you could have the the spinacoli pizza? Do you remember the spinacoli? No, that sounds too healthy uh, for me. I remember fighting with those waitresses because I ordered extra garlic and I go to look at my bill and they charged me twice for garlic. And I'm like, why are you charging me twice for garlic? And he said, because you wanted extra garlic. And I'm fighting with them for like a half an hour. I'm like, on the menu, it says the pizza comes with garlic. I just want some extra garlic. I'm not asking for extra, extra garlic. And I'm having a 25-minute argument with those ladies about this. But, man, you want to talk about some great... Uh, deep dish Chicago style pizza, man. That place was the bomb. And oh my goodness! And, and those crazy old ladies made it, you know, part <laughs> of the, the ambiance. But Michael, have a great Friday, man. I got to jump. Appreciate you, brother. All right, take care. There you go, the great Michael Monahan. That does it for us. Thanks to everybody who jumped in on the show. Join us on Sunday. Join me later today at four thirty. Uh, but join us on Sunday from the watch party. Here it is. We'll be uh, we'll be doing the watch party on Sunday. From uh, Pig and a Pickle in Corda Madera. Check us out. Come out, have a beer, have some barbecue, watch Niners and Cardinals, and hang out with us. We'd love to see you Sunday. Uh, I'll be there from noon on at Pig and a Pickle in Corda Madera. They got two locations, but we'll be at the location in Corda Madera. And thanks to everybody who supported the show today. Sorry, Chase Sr. couldn't be with us. Join me at 4.30 this afternoon. The great Matt Barrows will be in the house as we'll talk a little bit more about Niners and Cardinals. Until then, Peace. Yeah, never met a man I've been scared of. Careful, you gon' get exactly what you asked for.